So before we start this episode, we want to do a little bit of a disclaimer, letting everybody know that this episode will deal with sensitive topics about suicide and other mental health related things that people might find um, <clears throat> upsetting or triggering or re-traumatizing. Because we'll be getting into it. Yeah. We'll be getting... Hardcore. Deep down into it. Mm-hmm. So that's just an advisory for anyone going forward. Beyond that, um, enjoy. Mm-hmm. Let us begin. Let us have let us. Let us. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> I truly hate you. Um, Where is that from? Let us have let us? Uh-huh. Okay, so originally, this is from <laughs> that, com- it was a, good, a radio commercial uh, about burgers or something, and they kept making puns about different parts of the burger. I think that's what it was. And then someone was like, let us be friends. And he's like, I'm leaving. And then he's like, let us. And I feel that you heard that one day and never stopped saying, let us have let us. Yeah, probably. That sounds, that sounds accurate. Mm-hmm. And terrible. Yeah, 100%. It's a great pun, though. Let us have let us? Yeah. Come on. That's hilarious. Mm. I am an old lady. I know you're an old lady. <laughs> How old are you? Jesus. 95. Oh, my God. We're both, uh, whatever, insert age. <laughs> 27? Oh, so old. So old. Like, Just. goodness. I'm sure there's someone who's like, even three years older than us, who's like, man, shut the fuck up. I know. And then there's someone three years younger than us who are like, yes, you are very old. very old. old. You're very old. <sighs> it's depressing. Mm-hmm. Speaking of depressing. <laughs> do you like good my segue? Transition. Thank you. So, uh, so we've decided to talk about suicides today. And I suppose you might be wondering why choosing suicide for our inaugural episode when we could have chosen Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. We will get to, don't you worry. <laughs> Harry Potter will come up a lot. But um, we decided to talk about suicide. Well, Carmen, do you want to go into it? Sure. Um, so I think we both had different experiences around suicide and like what suicide looks like. Um, I did work in mental health for four years. Um, and that was very difficult and a lot to was deal it? with. I wouldn't know. Catherine well, uh, mm-hmm. had to hear everything Honestly, about it. Being the best friend of a social worker is like kind of like being like a social worker's counsel. Yeah. It's like not doing anything, but I am hearing about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm absorbing all of this emotional trauma mm-hmm. to cushion the blow. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been rough. Um, and then I think for me as well, personally, uh, my partner committed suicide. Oh, no. Died by suicide. I will get into the difference later. Oh, I don't know. But died by suicide uh, five years ago. And then I also have moments, or not even moments, periods of my life where I get very die. Die? Yeah. Yeah. She uh, does. Yeah. And so. It is a bummer, let me tell you. <laughs> Exactly. So we're going to talk about um, kind of the different perspectives that come with that um, kind of experience and then also basically go into the generalities, talk about some of the resources and 
just some of the stuff that we've maybe heard, even culturally, uh, depending, like, yeah, maybe like from. a little bit about suicide culturally, historically, just how it's viewed and then how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Or rather, how we've dealt with it. Yeah. And how we wish we would have dealt with it. Yeah. Which is another thing entirely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay, so where to begin? I think we're going to go over like a general overview about suicide. Mm-hmm. So for those who don't know, no, dictionary <laughs> defines suicide oh God. as terrible. Uh, yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, well, I guess I was when I was doing research for this, I was looking stuff up, and I didn't know it's called suicidology, like is a study of suicide. Mm-hmm. It sounds fake. Yeah, it I does. think it doesn't sound real. I'm a suicidologist. He'd be like, get the fuck out of yeah, here. Man. You're a liar is what you are. Fuck off. <laughs> um, but apparently that's the term. And suicidologists study suicide from like a variety of different perspectives. Basically like, I mean, any discipline. And it's a, it's a difficult subject for a lot of people to discuss because a lot of people don't want to think about suicide. And also feel, feel extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. At the idea, because it's been seen mm-hmm. in many, for the last several decades, as the most horrible thing you could do. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's not, like, up there in the best. <laughs> it's not like roller coasters, candy, chocolates, Definitely not. suicide, uh, K-pop, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, nah, nah. Um... So maybe I want to talk a little bit about suicide. Um, who's most affected by it? So everybody knows, or everybody thinks that they know, that men are the ones who are more affected by suicide, which in some ways is true, mm-hmm. because men are usually the ones who commit successful suicide. Mm-hmm. But as we were discussing earlier, more women commit or try to commit suicide, attempt suicide, mm-hmm. etc. Yeah, more women usually attempt suicide, but they do it in less deadly slash effective forms, from yeah. what I've heard in research. A woman is research. more likely to slit her wrists or, or like a poison or something yeah. like that, and a man is going to shoot himself in the head. Or jump off a bridge yeah. or run in front of a train or et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So um, men do end up, I think, dying more often, but yeah. women often attempt more. Um, and then there's the whole story behind like, oh, if you're, if you're doing things like slitting your wrists or taking pills, then you're just doing it for attention, which is also nonsensical, I think, and ridiculous. That's how you get attention, right? Mm-hmm. From boys. So just, fucked. I pretend to kill myself. Ugh. And then they all come to my... Uh, yeah. Because suicide brings the boys to the yard. That's mm-hmm. a song, right? Yeah. Um, Those fucking... I don't know who came up with that, but like... A lot of things that people don't understand or they feel uncomfortable with, they'll just say it's for attention. Yeah. Like, um... Depression. Depression. For attention. Or sexuality. Mm-hmm. For attention. Or gender. You're just trans for attention. Because that's how that works, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. It's just... But it is something bullshit. that affects both genders, and in particularly youths and adolescents. Mm-hmm. Because youths and adolescents are at a period in their life with a very high emotional stakes, mm-hmm. or so they feel. Mm-hmm. Trans and queer folk. Especially. Mm-hmm. As always, are usually the most vulnerable people in society are the most likely to, to deal with it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so it happens really often and there generally seems to be a lack of resources for people who are dealing with this stuff um, to be dealt with or for them to deal with it in effective ways that they want to. And so a lot of shit yeah. comes so Interestingly, with it. like suicide is very often like a one-time thing. Mm-hmm. Like self-harm can be something that happens more often, mm-hmm. but suicide, actual attempts at suicide are usually, they either do it once and they never do it again, or if they're real determined, then they will, but it's more likely it's a one-time and then they will be convinced out of it afterwards or they will regret it, which is also very common, and then they won't commit suicide again or attempt to. But then, you know. You know, there are other cases. Shit happens sometimes where people... I mean, I'm thinking personally in the work that I've done, and I do know people who have tried several times. Several times. Um, That is usually linked to, like, deeper mental health issues. I feel like there's, like, a surface level... Not surface level, it sounds like I'm being mean, but, like, I feel like there's a level of like mental health issues where something's more likely to happen once. I mean, I don't know. I don't even know that I would call them mental health issues. I think the people that I can think of that have attempted several times, um, yeah, they're often dealing with like a host of shit. Like, um, yeah, I just mean like more things. So you're dealing with more things or they have, um, there's more situational stuff going on. Yeah, Definitely more situational stuff. Um, than, yeah, and they're the res- and usually the people that I'm thinking of are definitely receiving support in regards to like hospitalization, um, and forced medication, um, which often can lead to people thinking that the only way out is to die. To die, yeah. If they think that their only supports are hospitals mm-hmm. and being forced to take medication. Yeah. Um, so I find that the people that I've thought that I can think of right now, even in my work that I've attempted more than once, it's often because, like, they're not getting the right support and they have a host of other shit going on that, like, nobody wants to address and everybody just wants to address their quote-unquote mental illnesses and not think about this person is also homeless, new to the country, has no status, was traumatized, assaulted, whatever, in some way, and has no friends. So, you know, Mm. fun times, fun times. It's it's just a mess. The mental health system is a mess. I think recently I've started calling it the mental... What is it? The mental health industrial complex. Oh, yeah. Because it's just a fuck ton of people making money off of black and racialized... Black and indigenous folks predominantly who are looking for services and getting garbage or having to wait. I think the average at CAMH was something like 18 months for black youth to receive services. Yeah. But that was, that stat was like from a while back, but so, you know, making money off of folks who are dealing with a host of shit, often systemic and then diagnosing them so that the systemic is no longer the concern. Mm -hmm. And so that it is now your fucking problem. Because you are an individual and should solve this shit on your own, preferably with medication, and preferably you get back to work ASAP. Well, yeah, that's the main point of being <laughs> a person in society is to work, right? Yeah. Make a bunch of money, pay some taxes. Yeah. Work. Do you. Work. Yeah. I mean, that's what all the songs say. So. <laughs> They're get all that telling money. me to work. Uh, get that money. Work, 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 work. <laughs> oh, Rihanna. Oh, Such I didn't a capitalist. Know. <laughs> well, I mean, all your favorites. All your faves are problematic because they're all capitalists because oh. they wouldn't be there otherwise. 
I mean, Rihanna, like, girl, when's she gonna put new music out? It's all just like different things you can like buy. Like, oh, I have like clothes and makeup and blah blah blah. Which you know, side note, are great. Like, Fendi's amazing. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, all all your faves are capitalists. Can't get away from that. That's true. That's a hundred percent true. Um, digression. But anyway, so back <laughs> to suicide. I feel like I'm kind of stewarding the conversation, but I know less, obviously, about That's that. Fine. You read more. I mean, it's your job. But, like, <laughs> like you read more about suicide and deal with it more on a personal level. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted, did want to talk about some other things that I think are, like, broader cultural aspects of mm-hmm. suicide. Yeah. Like, um, so suicide is one of those things that, it's like any element of society where, depending on the time period... The mm-hmm. views of it are different, very, very different. Like, if you, like, go back in time and do the time machine with me mm-hmm. to, um, like, I think in, like, ancient cultures, particularly ancient Greece, um, suicide was fine for, like, upper-class people. Oh. It was, like, a romantic thing. Oh. This philosopher committed suicide. It's like, what else is a philosopher going to do? <laughs> Philosophers were, like, bums. They were not, like, cool. They didn't have money. They were just, like, or sometimes they did, but most times they were just bums. Um, bums who we remember to this day. And the idea that, like, someone of a higher status would commit suicide is fine, but lower status people, not okay to commit suicide. Or then you can think about, like, just, like, an example everybody knows, like, in Japan, for example, suicide is seen as a very different thing than it is seen here. It's seen as, um... Well, I don't want to say the things that I don't know, but it is, it, 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 like, from my limited knowledge of suicide in Japan, it is more so, like, an accepted cultural, like, practice and just something that has historically been more accepted. I think there's, like, some people view, like, like suicide, views on suicide now are a little bit different, mm-hmm. but it is still, generally speaking, like, it's not the worst crime you can commit. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, and just to say, um, in terms of suicide, so I didn't Ooh. know this. Yes, go I for just it. thought of suicide. Suicide is a sin. That's what I wanted. Yeah. Oh, suicide is a sin. Hence why it's hence why people say committed suicide. They committed. Su- oh, really? Is that yeah, why? Yeah, because you've committed adultery. You've committed oh, a sin. Oh, so that's great. I know. That's nice to know. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I recently. Um, yeah, suicide like, is a sin. You're not going to get buried in the same plots as your family because you committed a sin. You're not going to hell, bitch. Yeah, that's basically why. If you kill why. yourself while your husband's out of the house, you're going to hell. Yeah, that's why they call it committing suicide. Mm. Um, or that's why it, it came to be this way. But so recently I hear like there's more of a, of a, it's definitely seen as like, not less acceptable, but it's seen as better, or, like more accurate. I don't know what my what cat, cat doing? doing. I am so sorry. What is it doing? <laughs> What's that little... What am I doing? He's just being a cat. Hi, kitty. Sorry, I'm fostering a cat, and he is a little bit all over the place. But anyway, so um, so people now like prefer to say a lot of people, especially within like um people who who are suicide survivors, prefer to call it like died by suicide. I didn't know that. Or just like passed away, or just straight up died. Um, if you don't want to get into why, because committing suicide um has this implication that you did something wrong. Um, because like you committed adultery, you committed murder, you committed a crime, you committed sin. Um, and so instead of putting this negative implication around the word suicide, it's better to say like died by suicide or like just attempted suicide and then go from there. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure there are other better terms that people use. Um, but that's what I 
became familiar with quite recently. So I'm doing my best. I'm, I'm still having a hard time remembering, but doing my best to say died by suicide. Died by suicide. Though that seems also weird as a language thing. There are sometimes when, when um, people are trying out like new language, um, to admit like that are, that's like more appropriate. We're like, that's died by suicide. If it's like, I don't know. It feels like suicide came and killed you or something. Yeah. You know what Some I mean? Some people might say that it did. I don't know, but like, I died by suicide. Like. Yeah. And again, right. there are probably better terms, but that was the one that I came across. That's fine. It's like, uh, what was that one you were telling me about? It was like men for men or women for women instead of saying like gay or lesbian or something like that. Uh, men who have sex with men and men. Um, yeah. Men who have sex with men. Um, or there's also, um, what's the other one? Is that what it was? Like something like that. And I just, M- like, and it's like M4M. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's what made me laugh. Cause I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's like what you put on like shitty dating sites <laughs> or like personals or something. It just yeah. seems like guys, two steps forward, three steps back. We gotta, there has, should, should be better committees for like language things. Um, I'm a bit of a language nerd. It's just, but, so I don't know. But yeah, men who, yeah. That's it's a, like that's a um, Columbusing, my least favorite term. So for those who don't know, Columbusing is basically when people talk about um, like like white people stealing culture, blah, 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 uh-huh. and like appropriating and et cetera, where I want to get this out there. I don't, I don't want anyone to think this is offensive. This is not anything against white people, but I just mm. want everyone to understand it's fine if it is, though. that the <laughs> best term in, forget Columb. Don't use Columbusing ever again. You don't want to use it. I don't want to hear it. it. Sounds stupid. What you should be saying is crackerjacking. You shouldn't say <laughs> Columbusing. Oh my god! Yes, I remember this. This is what our other best friend across the pond, who is not here and will be very upset when she finds out we're doing a podcast. Oh my god, she's gonna hate us. She came up with this term, and I've been like pimping it out ever yeah, since. Yeah, me too. Actually, crackerjacking like, yeah. is so much better. I don't understand why everyone's not using it. It's the best. I think I used it a couple of times and like didn't explain myself, but I was also <laughs> around like a bunch of racialized people and they just got it. Also, disclaimer for white people. Okay. We're going to make fun of you a lot. Yeah. Okay. And you're just going to have to deal. Listen. And such is life. White people. The world is your oyster. We're not going to hold your hands. We don't hate you. We're like, fine, whatever. I have white friends. <laughs> One of my best friends is white. Yeah. Um... You know, I like love her a lot. Side note, if you like the artwork for our podcast, her name is Danielle. And she's badass. Her name is Danielle Baker, and she's amazing. And I vet my white friends very hard. <laughs> she's the best. Harder than I do. Uh, ha- way sure. harder. <laughs> Somebody doesn't vet their friends at all, white or otherwise. That's you end up fair. with some terrible ass friends. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're talking about suicides today. <laughs> so I think we'll take a little break here. And then we wanted to do sort of a general on suicide and then when we come back we're going to talk about the more personal yeah and actual lived experiences that we have okay we're ready, recording ready? again <laughs> fuck <laughs> I don't know what that accent was don't ask me um right so suicide so- suicide is not the answer that is I mean sometimes it is do you remember that play in high school that was written by one of the girls in high school? No. And they said suicide's not the answer a bunch of the end? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was that? Girl, I don't know. I didn't write it. 
You know, our school plays, like... Oh, man. We will oh. one day get into our history and our school life. Um, it is way more interesting than you would think. You know, when people have high school stories, they're like... Oh, oh the cheerleader I mean, got with, like, the jock. Someone got pregnant. We're like, yo, yeah, you don't know. That is the least of our motherfucking our high school worries. Was like, uh, like, we could have several shows... Of this podcast, particularly, but we could have several like like television programs about the weird, weird shit that went on at our school. Some fucked up nonsense. But anyway, any who's in that is one. So we're thing. coming back to suicide. Yeah. So, and I think I want to just reiterate that we do sound very flippant and blasé about suicide, mm-hmm. but it's more so just because that's how we cope. Yeah, that's we how we deal with things. Sunshine, fun times, <laughs> and not with uh, sad depression and watching no. all of our words. No. We're just like, you know, LOL, just killed myself, JK, ha ha ha. <laughs> yeah. I swear to God, if you send me that fucking text, if you, but actually, you know what? If you do kill yourself, Carmen, send that text. <laughs> <laughs> and have it forever saved. I would be so angry with you. Would and you just, then you would look at that text and you'd be like, fucking Carmen. LOL, JK, I just killed myself. Yo. Like, smiley face. Yeah. Upside down smiley Did face. Did I tell you? Okay, so for those of you who don't know, my I once sent my mother... God bless her soul, if there is one. Mm-hmm. I told her I was in real need of emotional support yeah. at one point, and she sent me a smiley emoji. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> what more support do you need, Carmen? Uh, life. Uh, anyway, um, you remember that one time you said some? You sent me something, and it was like you know when you just see like the small parts of the right, message, right. and it said something like suicide note, and I lost my shit. I was like. <gasps> And then I looked and you're like, hey, I found an old note I wrote. I was like, fuck you, bitch. I thought you were like sending me a fucking suicide note. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. So now I have to be careful with the shit yeah, that I sent Gavin. Send me. Because she's been, Catherine's been traumatized. 100%. So in terms Jesus. of personal things that come up, I think it's good that it's Catherine and I talking about this because I'm coming from the perspective of somebody that dealt with suicide. Yeah very personally both wanting to kill myself and also somebody very close to me dying um like my partner committing suicide and then Gathern being on like the outer yeah parts of both of those situations to this day i think i've told you this before but to this day if i receive a phone call before like seven in the morning i freak out internally i'm like oh my god someone's dead yeah someone is dead yeah and I don't, I, I get, I literally like yelled at people for calling me too early or too late. I'm just like, I think something bad yeah, has happened. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. <sighs> good times. Mm-hmm. Those are good memories. So in terms of, so, so what they call people or what, like one of the terms is used to talk about people who have been impacted by somebody close to them dying by suicide is a suicide survivor which is like an odd word um to use because it sounds like you survived suicide you were saying before i thought you when you said suicide survivors i was like someone who survived (laughs) no no so well it's both i think suicide survivor how i've seen it used by most people is like both somebody who has somebody in their life who has died by suicide and then also somebody who may have attempted or who you know so it can be used for people who have tried to commit suicide Um, or Wait, no. So if you're saying so died by suicide, but if you're saying, oh, attempted suicide? No, it's like, uh, yeah, if you've attempted, I attempted think, and you survived, I think it's like a suicide survivor. survivor. Yeah. Yeah. But then if you've been impacted by suicide by somebody yeah, yeah. else dying, you can also, you you would be called like a suicide survivor. 
So um, again, the, I don't know. Who does I, the language for I mental don't. health stuff? Uh, and any sort white of white people, any sort of Sorry. social justice, anything. I'm like, guys, who's naming this shit? <laughs> Get someone no, else on the line. I know. It's call very black confusing. Twitter and say, what should we call it? And then it'll be better, much better. Even if it's like blasé and flippant, suicide survivor is very confusing. I know, and it is, but. But it, I guess, like mm. when you receive supports and stuff, like I, I think through the, like the distress center has like um, a support group that's for suicide survivors, mm. and so um, those are people that who's like somebody close to them has died by suicide, and so it's called like the suicide survivors like supports, um, and so that's oh well, hello oh, kitty, hi kitty, he wants to talk to me. Yes, I know. I hope you're having a good day. Mm. Um, and so there are different things that come with being a suicide survivor. Um, so there's the supports that are in place, which aren't very many. As I mentioned, there's the, the distress center has like a support where basically you go in and you meet with two people and it's kind of like therapy. It's like grief therapy almost. And, but you can only, I think, meet for a maximum of eight sessions. Because um, after that, you're good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so one, it's usually one person is like a trained, like a counselor. And I think they both receive extensive training in terms of like supporting counseling, but the other person is a peer who has also, um, survived or like had to deal with somebody close yeah. to them dying by suicide. Um, I found it extremely helpful, but again, it's only eight sessions. Um, and then they have like these offshoots of like support groups that happen like two or three times a year. Um, but it's not like guarantee that you'll get to go and they have very restricted timelines of like you work weird hours or, um, like you work in the afternoon or something. Like, I think it would probably be hard to get there. Is this an example of something that's like exclusive to Canada or is it something that is available in other places? No, this is from what I know. Well, the distress center is like a Canadian thing, um, but it's definitely just from what I know, exclusive to Canada, but I'm sure like there are other distress centers that probably provide supports for people who are dealing with that stuff. I mean, for me, I was um, with my partner for about a year and a half. I basically moved in with him. Um, I was in my fourth year of university and I, or like third and fourth year of university. And so I moved in with him because a few months after we started dating, he mentioned that he was dealing with some depression Yeah. Um, and it just like steadily got worse as time went on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I had to deal with, like, I helped take care of him because he was very secretive and didn't want anybody to know or anybody else to provide support. Um, and then also there were issues around, um, like how he was being supported wasn't very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so oftentimes when people, and this is some of the stuff that comes up that I think is really important to note is that. Sometimes people need to talk about feeling suicidal and do not want the response to be, um, hello, kitty. Hi, kitty. Can you guys hear that? Yes, kitty cat. Your nails are quite long. Please don't scratch scratch me. (laughs) Um, And so um, in terms of support, I think that there's a lot of people who want to talk about feeling like they want to die, but often times are met with people who get really upset, mm-hmm. um, which I guess like rightly so. Some people get really scared and if they care about you, they don't want you to like hurt oh, yourself. Oh, I get furious. I know. Um, and so... Which we will also talk about emotions around suicide. It just, it's a lot. Um, um, 
but yeah, it's really hard and people often panic, um, and tell you things like, Oh my God, you need to go to the hospital and you need, you know, should I call 911? And it just turns into this mess and my cat won't leave anybody alone. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a lot. Um, I think, I think that there are issues around how suicide is viewed because I, I recognize now that several years have gone by, Mm -hmm. um, that like, I don't like this thing about how like suicide is never the answer because we're not there to like know what's happening. And like the systems aren't in place to support people properly. And I think there are not always, but Mm -hmm. there are instances where like, not to say that it necessarily is the answer, but for the person at the time, like they're feeling so horrible that they cannot imagine anything better. And I often think, especially in communities that are like severely marginalized and like over-policed like that, it would make sense that like you would have certain feelings and certain things that you come up against that may feel like terrible. And I did hear once somebody told me that I found super helpful was that like you can do with your life as you choose. And of course it's like one of those things where they're like, Oh, you're being so selfish if you kill yourself. But I think one of the things to note is that when people want to die often, and I, I mean, I know I was lucky enough to be given like an extensively long, like goodbye letter from my partner that kind of explained where he was coming that from. Fucking let, you know what? I'll save my comments. But. <laughs> um, but he like wrote, he wrote me a text and then he wrote me a really long letter mm-hmm. that I still have. I st- oh, I'm so mad. Um, <laughs> but um, it's about, so people often think that if they say like, how you would hurt me if you did this or, you know, like how selfish are you being, which like makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, often people, when they want to die or they're that, they're at that level of certainty that they don't want to be around anymore. They often think that like they have nothing to give to people or they like have nothing to offer and also feel like they're a burden on other people and that people would be better off without them. Yeah. Um, and they like wholeheartedly believe that. So when people say things like you're being selfish and like, how could you do that? Um, which I feel like came up a lot for my partner where he felt that like he was being called like selfish or that he was like hurting people around him or that like, how could you like, you shouldn't do that to people. And it's like, bitch, it's not about you. Like this person is going through some shit. Yeah. Um, this also does have a lot to do with the fact that our society in general doesn't know how to deal with death. No, my God. And we don't have anything. I was listening to something where someone was talking about, um, like Jewish ceremonies after death Mm -hmm. and like, I think it's Shiva. Yeah. Shiva. Right. And the fact that you have like a specific time where it's not like as if grief is only for this time, Mm -hmm. but there's already in place a period of time for you to grieve. Mm -hmm. You don't have that. No, you don't have, um, like a period of time where you're like, I'm just going to feel everything. Usually what people do is either try to like bury it and move on or they, it's, it's because they feel like there's no end point to it. They don't know how to get themselves out of it. No. And they also feel like there are certain behaviors that might be seen as like, quote unquote, crazy. And so, which they are, you know, I feel like, and that's fine though. Like um, you can do whatever you fuck. This is what I tell people when people are telling me about grief, mm -hmm. which happens often because that's another area of interest for me is like grief and bereavement stuff. But like my number one piece of advice is always, don't you dare let anybody tell you how to grieve. No. 
you do your thing, but people feel the need to tell everybody. I feel like there's a reclamation. How to grieve. Yeah, it's true. I feel like there's a reclamation of the term crazy. Like I think that like some people obviously feel very offended by the word crazy, but there is also a, a contingency of people who are like, no, it was fucking crazy because mm-hmm. it was crazy, mm-hmm. and, and that's, that's also fine. fine. It's fine. I call myself banana pants crazy sometimes. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to get into the things I've done that are fucking crazy, <laughs> but there are things I've done that I've told Carmen and I'm like, if you ever feel like you're feeling upset or like insane, remember Catherine's fucking crazy. Yeah. And I think we all are to a yeah. certain extent. And some of us are better at hiding it than others yeah. just for the sake of normalcy and keeping our jobs, keeping our jobs. And like, it depends on the relationship. I mean, just talking about like Sandy in general. I feel like I don't disclose things with you often because mm-hmm. I know you have so many people doing that with you because Carmen's a social worker by trade, but she's also the lady that people will go and talk to on the subway. Yeah. They'll just like beeline for her. <laughs> so I know that Carmen has a lot of emotional stress on her. So I'll usually just talk to somebody else about that. That's nice of you. You're welcome. That's very kind. Yeah. This is why we're besties. Yeah. Though it does lead sometimes to you being like, I thought you were fine. <laughs> I'm like melting inside. Yeah. But um that happens. Or I do the thing where I'm so busy helping other people like yeah. I have been these last 3ish years yeah. that I recently went through a situation where I ended up becoming extremely suicidal and I was like, "Oh, I was treading water this whole All time. time." Who knew? That I mean, was bananas. Yeah. And so that comes up a lot. It's true. You do. Yeah. That is the way you deal with things. You just tread water. You're like, I'm, I'm not. I'm yo, fine. I'm good. Bitch, I'm, I'm fine, fine. Girl. I'm fine. I'm like, are you? Yeah. And everybody around you is like, oh, this probably isn't going to end well. This, this, this shark is going to pull up. <laughs> like, this is not good. Um, and so that's, that's a thing that happens quite a bit, I mm-hmm. guess, to me. I'm working on it. Okay. Yeah. I'm working on not holding down that beach ball underwater so it doesn't oh. fucking hit me in the face like it just did. Oh, man. Uh, uh, a really nice way of looking at it, as my therapist has told me, is that you're just holding down your emotions yeah. like a beach ball underwater. And you're just like, I'm doing fine. This beach ball is not that heavy. And then your arms get tired. And yeah. then that beach ball not only comes back up out of the water, but it fucking hits you in the face. Speaking of good allegories, I saw this one online somewhere and I really like it. It's like, if you're ever feeling like bad about yourself or your body mm-hmm. and like you have all those like negative thoughts or um, intrusive thoughts as I have often dealing with them, just imagine Donald Trump saying them. <laughs> because then you can be like fuck you like Yo. no because like because if you imagine yourself saying it or it's like you feel like it's something that's a part of you you'll it weighs you down it makes you sadder but if you imagine donald trump being like you're ugly you're like you know what you're fucking ugly go fuck you're yourself. ugly <laughs> go fuck yourself yeah that's true that's mm. actually very true yeah um and that is that is that is fair mm-hmm. um I do think I have some points to say for people who are dealing with, um, who've had somebody die, um, specifically somebody who's died um, in regards to suicide. So you'll often hear that people will be like, it's okay if you're angry, but like, bitch, it's also okay if you don't get angry. And I feel like people cling very hard to like the five stages of grief, which is ridiculous. uh, They misunderstand. I think five stages of grief is useful in like saying, these are the emotions that you will feel, not this is the order and this is how, and then this <laughs> and is, like it is little, very linear, like a little recipe or something or like, okay, 
So I wanted to talk about like emotions around suicide. So Carmen's partner committed suicide and Carmen has definitely in, felt like some sort of like anger or something at him. Mm. Not like me though. <laughs> Not like me. I understand obviously that suicide is something where you are like you're sick. You can't blame anyone for being sick or for being or for feeling that like with the emotions that you feel that lead to suicide, feeling that you are a burden or feeling this or that. Mm-hmm. These are all things that like literally you can look it down to the science. It's like there's things that are wrong in your brain because like you're not having your little you know like the little happiness thing it's like the, mm-hmm. you're seeing the thing of like what happiness looks like and it's like a little <sighs> stick and it's just like carrying a ball sure no for real <laughs> no i'm just saying and i mean like i don't mean sick as in like there's something like i feel like there's a weird way of like saying something's wrong with you and there's like something wrong with you you know what i mean mm. i don't mean it in that like no, but there's like there. So there are people who like one or not, or could be in and for whatever reason, trauma or trauma or, or like whatever, being in a situation, be predisposed to feeling certain ways. Yeah, absolutely. And then when you do not have the supports in place to like work on that, yeah, then you are quite royally fucked. Yeah. So that happens. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like I don't want anyone to misinterpret like my. I feel like people use the word sick wrong a mm-hmm. lot. I mean, if you were sick with tuberculosis, that's also your environment. You know what I mean? That's fair. So, like, it's suicide is like any other if you're, quote unquote sickness. Is that like it's it's your life and also your environment, and then like the systems you have in support for yourself. It's the same. What I want. What I mean by this is that it's the same. Mental health things are the same things as like any sort of physical thing that's wrong with you it has something to do with. The situation, like you know what I mean? No, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like the like like the whole the the idea that like um like mental health stuff is a health thing. Yeah. And so we shouldn't like dismiss it as not being like a health thing. Yeah. Which is good, I think, because I don't think it's necessarily seen that way all the time. But I also think that oftentimes if you interpret it as like an illness or like sickness People, not always, but like certain people will often, um, what's it called? Um, individualize the problem or make it like an, uh, like an individualistic thing. Whereas like, I think it's like, I guess the, the problem with my language is that like, I don't think of it that way. It's the same way as like, no, yeah. Know, so like, I know um, you don't, but like but so yeah, yeah, many yeah. people do like, um, in the same way as like, when you talk about like drug addiction, for example, exactly. like, like they did those tests where they had mice or whatever, and they have them in an environment that's good yeah. and they have like a thing that's addictive yeah, yeah. and then they have an environment that's bad and if it's in a bad environment the mouse is going to eat all of that stuff yeah, yeah. and also people are like genetically predisposed to being um, mm. drug addicts or having like addictive personalities and also there's inherited trauma that's in people's bodies that they don't even know about they'll just have from their parents or have from something that happened when they were very very young mm-hmm. so what I meant to say essentially is that while I understand that nobody chooses mm-hmm. Catherine was pissed. I was fucking pissed. I was still <laughs> mad. Fuck that guy. Like, I, I'm still upset. And I'm upset because of, like... Because it's, like, basically for me, I'm like, it's, like, anybody hurting my friend for Exa- any reason. Yeah, exactly. And the amount of, like, anguish I saw Carmen go through, I was literally angry moment one. I was like, <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> fuck that guy. I'm glad. Like, I was just so mad. And I'm still... You can hear. I'm still quite mad. Yeah. So a little bit That's upset. Fine. You know, that shit happens. And it's like, my emotion around the suicide has been, uh, 
mostly like it's yeah there's like other elements that have affected me but mostly anger yeah just that's like fine. rage and i want people to understand that like that's fine yeah like if you're people, people talk about it like you can't feel like you like it's, it's you shouldn't be upset with people you can be upset with people. no of course you can that's Go a ahead. thing no and that's fine it's just and also like um understanding that like Catherine was very angry but she did not bring this up to me until oh, no. like years later wait i, I think was it like this year yeah, maybe this year. Last it was year? this year. This happened, by the way, the um, incident with Carmen's partner, like five years five ago. years ago. I brought it up last year. Yeah. <laughs> this year. So you know, there's a time and place for it. Yeah. Like if your if your friend or whoever you know is possibly going through something like this, like the last, and and this isn't just about like dying in terms of suicide. This could also be like somebody overdosed or yeah. something happened. Like to say like, I'm really angry at this person yeah. when the other person has not given you like per- I permission. I swear to God, if Carmen like, don't fucking is, do like, that. commits I, I, or try or attempts um, suicide or something and then she survives, I'll be so fucking She'll be livid. Mad. I know. I will be, I won't bring it. I probably will be like very supportive for quite some time. <laughs> and then like a few years later, she'll be like, fuck you, <laughs> bitch. I'll be so upset. And so these are the things that happen when you're dealing with suicide shit. Uh, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A very important thing is that like emotions are fine. Every emotion is valid. Yeah. It's just when and where you express them. No, I, that is the most a thousand thing. percent. And yeah. also like if you have views or opinions on suicide, perhaps it is not the best time to bring it up when somebody is just going through it. Yeah. I definitely remember a couple instances where some lovely religious people in my life mm. um, brought up that he was going to go to hell because he died by suicide. And I was like, well, this is a helpful conversation to be having with me two days after he died. It was two days? Yeah, it was like two days or some shit. It was less than a week. I remember being less than a week. Um, And so that's not helpful. Um, I also remembered um, there were people who didn't necessarily feel super, or that I didn't think were super connected to him um, and who knew me, but would like sob when we That's would, they would see me, weird and I was like, "Bitch, it's not about you." It is not about you. Because then I end up having that is, to. That is the motto of suicide. Bitch, it's not, not about, about you. you. <laughs> no, I end up having to comfort so many people. Like, why? Oh, yeah. For I God's really sake, that makes me very upset. Actually, to know that, I think. I mean, I think. I feel like I did know that, but just like remembering it is very annoying. Like, why just do I have like, to comfort you? Like, I'm dealing with some I've, shit. I've always been so mad at like. Okay, it seems mean, but like sympathetic tears. I'm like, I don't. It's not yours. No. It's not your business. Nah, no. You, if like if you didn't know someone personally or you have like a personal connection, I never cried about Eric. No. Have you ever seen me being like, Carabinia? No, <laughs> no, absolutely not. That was yeah, that was a mess. She's like Carabinia is also her name. Yeah, I have too many names. We won't get into it. I'm Mexican. There's too much going on. Yeah. I have a baptismal name and then I have a legal name. It's mm. really quite sad. And you you'll hear if I'm my mother for it. If I'm ever annoyed with her, it's more like Carmen. <laughs> Carmen. Yeah. Carpina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's, yeah. Just Catherine and my mother. Yes. <laughs> other close friends call me by that name. Um, but yeah, so it's really difficult. And I think for me, I, I was lucky enough because technically I'm part of like the Latinx community or like that's what I would consider myself. I'm actually really lucky because my family has been dealing with a lot of mental health stuff for, for, for many years. Um, and I feel like I've met a lot of people who 
talk about how their parents or their family is like against therapy and against yeah. against like counseling, against seeing like any sort of professional um, in that sense, or like even getting like peer support or talking about mental health stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I find it really interesting that my family's quite the opposite. Um, I actually have um, an aunt of mine, like that I'm close to. She's like my other mom, um, and she's fantastic. And she started seeing a therapist. Like my mom was seeing a therapist, and then I think my mom convinced her to see a therapist um, because my family is bananas crazy in the best and also worst ways. Cuckoo banana pants. Yeah, cuckoo banana pants, yep. like to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother is just patriarchy in human form and has <laughs> caused a lot of damage to her children. Yeah. In, in turn, I mean, she loves me though. So I mean, fuck off. It's the most important thing. <laughs> yeah, she does love Catherine and. Bananas. Um, so I was lucky enough to have people in my life. Like my aunt is very funny, and she'll she calls her therapist her loquera, and like that's not a, a fucking word, but like loco obviously means crazy, um. and so she calls her her loquera, and so now I call my therapist my loquera whenever I'm talking to my family, and they fully know what, what I'm means, referring yeah. to, which I think is great. Um, so I've been lucky in that sense, and then I I sometimes hear people like, especially like not necessarily racialized people, but, like, Latinx people specifically, they're like, why do I want to pay somebody to, like, talk to them about my problems? Oh, no, that's a racialized, like, over, yeah, that's a over thing. the board thing. Um, and it drives me bananas, because I'm just like, that's not a helpful thing. Like, if that's not what you want to do, then it's not what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But, like, I've had situations in the work that I've done in mental health where I've talked to, like, other workers, and I've been like, oh, yeah, like, I see my therapist, like, every couple weeks or whatever, and they're like, why do you see a therapist? If you need somebody to talk to, just give me the money. And it's just like, what? That's not, what? Like, this is not helpful. That's not a helpful way to go about anything. No. And so I think that we probably need to talk more about what support can look like because we live in a society where support in in all sorts of different ways is extremely expensive. Um, And so doing like peer support groups, um, grief groups, things like that, like getting involved in those kinds of things would be nice if we have the time and the energy, because it takes a certain amount of privilege to be able to like run a support group. Yeah. Which is why when I've gone, gone to grief and death related things. Oh, you're telling me. Bitch, it is all white. Like I have zero fucking time for this nonsense. I have to sit there and listen to, if I hear another white person ask me if I like the movie Coco, I will lose my whole damn mind. I mean, didn't you like Coco though? No. What? Yes, you did. You told me you liked it. Listen, I liked it until the border came around. Okay. And then I was like, who the fuck made this movie? Latino, well, what I think the... Yeah, but he clearly has never had to deal with any anybody in their family being undocumented or crossing the border. Actually, I've heard a lot of like Latinx people like who reviewed the movie talk about the fact that they either like felt like they liked that or it helped hit a bit close to home being like, oh, refuse the border. Thanks. Uh, God, so good though. And if I have to see another movie where Mexico is like 1940s, 1950s Mexico, Mexico, like first of all, Mexico City in particular is a metropolitan. But that wasn't. The, it was city. like it was like no, but the Mexico? Da- no, but like yeah, but the Day of the Dead stuff. Yeah, was not that is rural Mexicans don't dress like that. I don't know. No, because they were they were. But you mean like the dead people? Yes, but that's because they died. No, I know, but there were people who died that weren't from that era and straight up looked old timey. Like I was like, why do you have like weird tram way nonsense no, in the day of the dead? There? Yes, there 
there were. I didn't. Okay. I was like, not everybody was born around the time of Frida. Thank you very much. Get your shit together. Like, so people still have cell phones and shit. So but anyway, good. Made me cry I did. I did like it. I openly weeped on the plane. Let me just tell you that my grandmother and I do not have a good relationship. Therefore, yeah. this movie did not have the emotional punch that it had for other people. I really wasn't more... I, I feel like it was more so about, like, just family in general that made me cry. Because I cried... When I first went to see it, I was like, I'm going to cry in the theater, 100%. I was, like, looking for... I love crying, just so you know. Yeah, I know. I didn't... I feel like I used to, like, not want to cry. Like, I had this, like... I don't know, as if I was a boy or something. Being like, <laughs> you gotta keep it in. And then, at a certain point, I discovered that crying is fucking awesome. And I went to see Coco being like... Pixar is gonna make me cry and it did and I wept and then I saw it on the plane and I openly wept on the plane it's a good time that's great it's the same thing with Inside Out open weeping on a plane it's great is I think I did that once when I watched The Lion King on the airplane that was, yeah. that was, that was bad I feel like you know I've seen The Lion King so many times that it doesn't make me cry as much as Littlefoot's mom dying well that's not oh, there's no so need sad. There's there's really no need there's there's no need yeah um, and as you can see Carmen has issues <laughs> Dealing with emotions and remembering yeah, you're sad already, things. You can't see her, but Carmen has a thing where she like curls up into a ball. Like as we've been I'm already there. She's I'm already like, there. Her, her limbs have come closer. Her hands are on her knees. <laughs> she's like shrunk into herself. Listen, it's what I do. Actually, I didn't notice until recently that that was a thing that I did. But I, yeah. I do do that. Um, and so I avoid my emotions. And so recently. Oh. I, I am aware. <laughs> so I recently had uh, this experience where I finished my master's, or I was literally like a week and a half away from finishing this 60-something page paper that I had to do. Um, I had been dating somebody for a little while, and in the midst of dating somebody, I had somewhat lost a friend um, who I had been very close to for almost three years. Um, and like having to deal with that basically on my own um and then uh dating this person who seemed really really great and then I was very anxious for three weeks and this person turned into a fucking nightmare of a human being Mm -hmm. um who and I see him that's it no he ended up dumping me oh was a thousand percent blindsided, did not expect for this to happen. I'm so glad this person is a social worker because his ass is fucking dangerous if this is how he communicates. But um, there was just a lot going on for me emotionally. We'll get into the relationship shit in a, at another episode. Mm-hmm. But like it was the straw that broke the camel's back because while this person broke up with me, the days prior to and then the days after the breakup, he said some very pointed things in a very nice tone, of course, because oh, he's a nice hippie guy who he's does a yoga. Nice guy. Um, told me things about. I see him. I'm slicing his man bun off. Yeah. I you, tell you that. <laughs> That's fair. Um, he told me some. If things. I can reach, he's oh, quite tall. Listen, um, just kick him in the balls, and when he falls, you'll be fine. Punch him directly in there. Yeah, he um, told me some things that I had some insecurities about. So, in regards to my partner dying. Um, basically he was really distant for me, like the last couple of weeks that we were together and I couldn't figure out what was going on. And we seemed to be arguing a lot or like bickering. And for some reason in my head, I thought that he was breaking up with me and that like he wanted to dump me. And then that's why what was happening was happening. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very much an avoider, um, which is something I'm working on really, really hard to not be. 
And what ended up happening is that he ended up literally leaving the country to go and die somewhere else. Okay, I mean, again. To like, so that we wouldn't, I think, so that we wouldn't have to deal with like I have a real problem with destination anything. suicides because I'm like, that's a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, it was for the family. Like a lot of work, I didn't a lot of money. I don't understand what the point I, was. I, I, Put yourself I, in your backyard if you need to. I genuinely do not think that he assumed that we would have found him. Like, I don't think he was I don't like that, I mean, destination suicides. That to me, I'm like, ooh, I hate you. That's fine. <sighs> and that's fair. And so. Take your bathtub like everybody else. I mean, it's like some rich been. people shit. That is a rich people suicide. Yeah. It really is. I mean, yeah. I think... Uh, I mean, Sorry. Like, I, the only I context just, like, I have liquidate some assets or something or just like you use all the money you have left because you're not using it anymore. So you think or so you plan. I don't know. But um, some fucking nonsense. destination suicides. Like, let so someone should, else go on vacation. No, I know. That's a, that's a spot on the plane. I know. I'm still upset. So, as you can tell, Catherine's not happy about this. Um, but that shit went down. And, um, so I very much had not necessarily, and we'll probably never have the, this shit resolved, but had some extremely unresolved things yeah. around guilt, um, which and often he, happens. um, stuck his fingers in it basically. Yeah. So this new person, um, so basically I had, I have some very strong feelings about the fact that like, basically how I like to put it around my partner's death is that my head was so far up my own ass that I couldn't see that this person wanted to die. Which and is not fair to yourself. No, of course it's not. But, like, that is how I have seen it. And, mm-hmm. like, I've felt a lot of guilt. And it's, like, come in waves. And it's, like, moved around. And I thought I was fine with it. Or I thought I was fine with the death because he had... I thought that I was, like, oh, well, this was his decision. And, like, he has a right to make his own decisions. He was an autonomous person who yeah. was dealing with all this fucking shit. Thank you, Cam H, for helping us with nothing those motherfuckers um i wish you could arrest everybody involved in that piece of shit agency but anyway um that's neither here nor there something for another time (laughs) um and so this person that i was dating recently told me that i couldn't see past my anxiety that my needs always came first um or that almost always came first because we were always we always had competing needs and mine were always more important um, and that when it came to my anxiety, I didn't care about <laughs> anything else. <laughs> and so, um, it opened up some wounds that I thought were good. He stuck his fingers into some tender, tender wounds. That were very, very deep and, uh, triggering. And so, and at first I thought I was very ashamed of how I was feeling and I didn't want to tell anybody because I was like, oh my God, I'm that girl that like wants to die because somebody dumped her. He dumped me. I want to kill myself. And I'm like, and of course, like if that happens to people, like that's fine. But like for me, it's I'm being raised by the mother I was raised by yeah. um, and the family I was raised by with the friends that I have. That is just like not a feeling. Not acceptable. That is an unacceptable <laughs> feeling. <laughs> Um, and I was really ashamed of it. But then I realized later on, I was like, no, I don't miss the relationship. I don't want to have anything to do with this human being. And the thought of seeing them has literally made me physically ill. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew that it wasn't necessarily the relationship, although I'm sure like mourning the end of a relationship is perfectly normal. Is normal. Um, but it was definitely the reopening of wounds that I thought had healed. And I have come to the conclusion that they will never fully heal, probably. Um, that they will always be at least a little bit unresolved, but I need to work on like the guilt that I'm feeling. It was just that it was so fresh and it opened up this like 
cesspool of grossness within myself where I hated myself horribly. And like, I couldn't imagine anybody wanting to be my friend or wanting to be around me because there's a lot of intense text conversations. Yeah. I just hated myself. Like phone calls. Yeah. I hated myself terribly for like a month. It was just like intense hatred of self and just being like, Oh, people should not be around you at all. Yeah. Um, and it was really rough. I am very glad that you actually reached out to me at this time. Last time when you were feeling this way, you were like, you tried your best to not talk to any of us about it. Yeah. You were just like, no, no, they don't need to know. And I have to like pry it out of I her know. and be like, Garmin, talk to me about <laughs> these things. Like, it's fine. You're not a burden. Blah, blah, blah. Thank you, you therapy. You did. You should thank my therapist for that. And talk to me about things. It was good. No, I know. It was like, and that was one it's of like, the things. like, this is actually, like, like, it was one of those things where I was like, I was like okay, okay, yeah, <laughs> got it, got it. But like, it was also like, um, it was, I was happy that you were, you were reaching out to me. Yeah, because I, I thought usually it was, don't. It, yeah, it, it was like a, it was a lot of growth for you. Yeah, because I never did in the past. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of doing that. But for me, I recognize that it's a little bit different. I think I've, I've witnessed or like recognized when people are feeling suicidal. And for me, it it's more of like an anxiety response than it is like a depression um, or whatever else is going on response. Whereas uh, I've noticed that people often when they want to die and are very like resolute in their idea, like they are the calmest they've ever been in many ways when they yeah. want to die. Like they're like, Oh, this is the right decision. Yeah. This is what I need to be doing. Well, yeah, you have to have resolution. To yeah. And of course I don't like you have, Nobody wants to, like, prick their finger. No, I know. You don't want to cut your hand. No, exactly. And I don't so, want to pull a hair out of my toe. Like, I don't want <laughs> anything. No, exactly. Anything painful or that you feel like it's going to harm yourself. That's right. one of those things about suicide that people don't seem to understand is that, like, you're at a point where physical pain and everything else isn't a factor for you. You're so, no. like, I'm going to do it. This is what's going to happen. And it's all going to be better Because this, this is clearly a great decision. Yeah. 100%. And yeah, which is why when you try, sometimes when you try and talk people out of, out of it, or you try to say things like, like, oh, but like, you know, like that's so painful. And like, anyway, like this does not half the time, like it wouldn't necessarily, I don't think that it would necessarily help if somebody is at a certain point. And like, I think there's certain interventions that are probably needed that would be a little bit different. Um, and also respecting people's autonomy is another thing, but that's something else. Um, but I recognize that for me, it was like an anxiety response to feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, and just being like, I don't want to feel these feelings anymore. These feelings are fucking awful. And I don't think anybody should be around me at this time because I'm a terrible human being who only thinks of themselves and can't think of anybody else. And my anxiety comes first. So I was freaking the fuck out. And so for me, the good thing was, is that I saw my therapist and kind of explained how I was feeling, which was nice. Um, and she was kind of able to walk me through it. I think I don't necessarily feel like that now. I think it comes in waves at this point, but it was pretty constant for like a good few weeks and it was really scary. Um, and the good thing was that it was scary for me. Like it freaked me out. Yeah, that was Which good is thing. a good sign. Um, and so I reached out. You were out. like, I don't want this to happen. Like I, w- I want to put these measures in place. Um, so that they don't happen, yeah. which was nice. Um, and I was also really lucky because I have a certain group of like support people in my life that aren't necessarily going to tell you 
what a lot of other people tell you around like, go to the hospital, call 911. Like none of these things are for me, if they're helpful for other people, fine. Um, but for me, they're like, that just turns me off of like wanting to talk to certain people. And Mm so, and I have people in my life that I think like, I could probably think of people in my family or people who would be like, Oh, go to the hospital. Or like, you need to, do you want me to call 911? Should I like call you an ambulance? Do you need to go to the hospital? And I'm just like, fuck off. Um, which like like, not helpful for me um I have a lot of issues with how the psychiatric system works as a whole so that doesn't work um I have people (laughs) and so I have people in my life um that are very much coming from like an anti-psychiatry mad um mad movement like psychiatric survivors movement stuff who are very open to like just being like okay you want to die Let's talk about this. I have felt the same way. I actually had a friend um, who's fantastic and amazing and she suggested, I was like, I really want to write goodbye letters because I'm freaking out and I'm scared that I'm going to do something stupid. And if I do something stupid and I do it on impulse and then I don't write anything, people aren't going to know how I'm feeling. Yeah. And she was like, okay, well just, she was like, you know what? Just write. If you feel like you need to write goodbye letters, you should write them. She's like, if anything, you might feel some catharsis and like feel better. Mm-hmm. And it was really funny because they made me feel so calm. And then I felt you like better. You write a goodbye letter? Yeah. And then oh. I felt fine. And then I was like, oh, I don't want to die. Say? I don't know. Probably you're amazing. I think I wrote okay. a lot. Okay. Okay. No. I'm- if I receive like, a Dora <laughs> the Explorer goodbye letter that says, you're a star, I'm- I'll raise you from the dead. <laughs> no, I can't remember. I honestly, I threw them out. I threw them out after, I think. Okay. But like... I I wrote this thing because my friend and I, who were not speaking at the time because of this whole fuckery with me dating somebody, it's a long story. It's so it's quite the story. We'll um, get into it. He, um, I had Google. I had written like a Google Doc about like what I want wanted for him and I to talk about when we were gonna meet up again. Um, and literally half of my part of my goodbye letter is like, "This is my password." <laughs> This is the document because I was being very practical oh because if there is anything that Carmen is, it is not necessarily that I am emotional. I am just very practical yeah. with everything that I do. So I found it really helpful to have people that weren't like panicked or like not outwardly panicked yeah. when I was talking to them, which I found really helpful. Um, and I think other people would probably also find that helpful. With a solid rage that I am. Yeah. Like, honestly, I, I would prefer that over the shit where I have to like, not only deal with my emotions, but like tell you how I'm feeling yeah. and then have you panic and have you be like, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. What's going on? Yeah. My approach to Carmen's mental health is like, she'll talk to me <laughs> and it works she'll well. Get there. And so different. And again, like different people have different perspectives on this, but I think it's like super useful for me to have people in my life that aren't necessarily going to push for like psychiatric interventions. Yeah. Um, and I also understand from my perspective that like when you're feeling particularly shitty about yourself, like this shit will probably come up and sometimes it'll come in waves and sometimes it'll be constant, but like the hope is that it won't necessarily be permanent. My advice is always, uh, to embrace nihilism. (laughs) It's what I have done with my life. Yo, if it works, it works. Nothing matters. I know. It's cool. No, that's fine. I and am, I get that. I have nihilism that is like the, I don't know, monster truck with like a unicorn on the side that's yeah. like flying over a school bus. Like that's my nihilism. That's fair. Nothing matters. Yeah. Yeah. See, I wish I could do that. I'm like the fucking opposite. But I think my 
conclusion is that like for myself, I was very much treading water for a very long time and also not dealing with or like working through any of my guilt stuff. So the second somebody came into my life that like I cared about or that I was vulnerable with who then decided to like poke at my, um, damaged bits um it just like opened up this like floodgate of like emotions and like ickiness around myself um and so that wasn't helpful and I think like with being a suicide survivor what ends up happening is that you're also sometimes feeling like oh I also want to die and like I the only times I can remember wanting to like die were one when my mother told me that she was pregnant. Um, this is like obviously years and years and years when ago. Was this? this was like in middle school. Oh. And uh, well, I mean, with Dimitri's I, I I, baby. Okay, well, we're not getting into it. But I, I mean, and for I all that like, like wanted to die. Adolescents do want to die and do kill themselves. There is a level of like thirteen year olds being like, "I'm gonna kill myself." I'm like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. You so I never told my mother that. I kept that shit to myself. Yeah. Um, but I was like, oh my God, we're going to be stuck with this garbage human man that my mother was married to at the time. And that's made you want to kill yourself? Oh, do you want to be stuck to a white supremacist for the rest of your life? No. Okay. No. Exactly. So but like, still. but that didn't end up happening. Um, thank the Lord above for that. Oh man, your mom's date. I mean, I don't want to, your mom's going to listen to this, <laughs> but like. She, she knows. She doesn't have the best of track what, records. What was that? With the men that she, I don't know. She doesn't know. Karen's mother is, um, a badass, like super communist, revolutionary, uh, revolutionary, revolutionary Latina woman. And she was like married to a card carrying white supremacist. Who likes me though. Again, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. <laughs> anyway, um, so there was that time, and then he hated any black person that came anywhere near him. Near him, but he liked me though. Oh, fuck off! Literally <laughs> everyone. The moral is that everybody in Carmen's life loves Catherine, but oh, usually man. more than me. Um, so that was one of the times, and then the other time was obviously when Eric died. I was like wholeheartedly convinced. I was like, I need to die because these feelings of grief are just like too much, and I can't too handle much, them. Yeah. Um, and then obviously like I did not die. I just went to a hefty amount of, of grief therapy through the distress center and then through a community health center that was down the street from my house. Um, and then recently it was this, which was also kind of related to like the suicide that I had to deal with five years ago, but then also like all the other stuff that I'd been dealing with, with like being overworked, being like burned out from my job, all of the like emotional baggage that comes with being a mental health social worker when you don't believe in the mental health system as it is. Um, and like the stress that that puts on you, um, especially when you're supporting racialized people and like desiring and needing the person that you have in your, in your like romantic personal life to be your rock. And when that, because you give up so much or you give so much of yourself in the work that you do to then have that, like, destroyed and then turned into this really weird like I'm not really into you and I didn't think you were into me and everything is totally fine and yeah all that nonsense I mean let's put a cap on it in conclusion fuck him um yeah god fuck him um but like that was a lot that I had to deal with yeah no I know and so but I think I do feel like I'm doing slightly better we will see how that goes um Oddly enough, I had this conversation with my mother and it was very, very random. 
but my mother's greatest fear is dying by drowning. And that is like one, that is like her, like she doesn't like to swim in the, like she loves the ocean, but she won't swim in it because she's terrified of drowning. But whenever I've considered suicide, I've always considered drowning as like my choice. That's, was it cool? But you know, (laughs) you know how I'm dying. I'm probably dying on fire and I don't want to, but I've literally already, I wear nightgowns because I'm a cool girl. (laughs) And uh, I have already leaned too far over a stove, set my shirt and nightgown on fire, had to throw my clothes off of me because I was on fire. (laughs) And that's how a lot of old ladies go is like they'll like um, they'll just like set on flame in flames because like a robe or something will catch on fire and they won't realize. Um, And I'm already a spinster. That's how the rest of my life's (laughs) definitely going to go. It's going to be me and my cat. Yeah, everybody knows. So I'm likely dying at like, seeing as my family lives long, I'm dying at like 93 in flames. That's fair. But then, and I've already, so out of the three of us, so there's three of us in this group of friends. Um, So it's Catherine and I and our friend who currently lives in England um, I have already called dibs on dying first. Yeah, whatever. Because I am not dealing with any of their deaths. For real, though, if, like, like uh, there have been times where, like, something's happened where I'm a very clumsy person, where I've almost, like, walked in the traffic, or something bad has happened, and I think, you know what, that's good for Carmen, that I didn't die. Because, <laughs> like, I know for a fact that, like, if I go, Carmen's, like, killing herself tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> it's it is like, an immediate it's not, it's not, like, like any other thing. It's, like, I'm dead, and then Carmen is dead right after. Yeah. That is how that is going. Yeah. And I think people are fine with that. I think everybody knows. Everybody knows. And that's totally fine. <laughs> if I go, let's, buy, let's say goodbye to Carmen. And like we say this flippantly, but like no, no but legit, real. that is that is a thought that I have. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. that comes up. Um, I never, in terms of like myself, I was very depressed for a good couple years. But like there was like a period in my depression where I didn't feel, I've never felt actually suicidal mm-hmm. my depression manifested like at its worst with complete emptiness you know oh god dementor just shit. like yeah dementor shit when it's just complete bleak nothing i had nothing mm-hmm. i had nothing in me and i also got like i mean carmen doesn't remember because carmen carmen like people look the same their whole <laughs> life i got like really fat and i was really depressed and i looked terrible and i just felt awful and then i then i got to a place where i just felt like nothing and then I was, I remember the, the breaking point with all of my like depression, I went, it was like late at night. Um, this is when my mom was living like five minutes away. Mm-hmm. It was like midnight, one in the morning. And I ran to my mom's house and I was like entirely broke down. And she was just like, she was very worried for me for a period of time. Cause like, again, a few days later, like showed up at like one in the morning and she was like, oh my God, <laughs> oh my God, what's happening with my daughter? Um, I remember I had to call her. Because I was working at a place that I hated. I hated, I hated, I hated. I literally don't even like going into that store anymore. Like mm-hmm. now it like mm-hmm. summons terrible feelings for me. I remember calling her at work when I was having a panic attack. Oh, fun. I was like, you have to come and hug me. Um, but I guess, I, don't, I was about to say fortunate. I'm not fortunate, but like, I, I guess I've never actually had to deal with wanting to actually die or mm-hmm. seeing it as like a, a solution. I don't know why. I wonder why that is. Yeah. And I think... We need to start, when we think about suicide or we think about death, we need to consider what it is that we see. Like if it makes us uncomfortable or we think that people that do it are a certain a certain way, we need to look at why these deaths are a certain way. Because I think, especially growing up and knowing 
situations where people have gone to war and are like been in actual revolutions, like yeah. people do what is considered a suicide mission sometimes, like for the betterment of whatever. Yeah. And like these people are know that they're going to die and they're dying anyway. And so I've, I've heard a few stories from like people who do a lot of organizing work about people who like will purposely end up in like harmful and like life-threatening situations yeah. because they want to die, but they don't necessarily want to off themselves in it's a particular a, it's a way. There's a, and like people are more, um, find it more romantic and they're It is a romantic that. thing. Um, what it is, is, is it lives in the same part. You know how you like look at how people will talk about, I don't know, K-pop for example, <laughs> versus how they used to speak about religion and God. Mm-hmm. It's this, there's like a fervor part of the brain where things exist and the fervor part is like where the crazy religious stuff exists and the crazy geekery exists and the crazy K-pop fans exist. And all of this, like, it's like this feeling of like devotion to something. Right. There's also a similar place in the brain, I think, that like, it's probably like right next door. <laughs> we're in the same place where people kill each other themselves for their ideals or for um, yeah. religious things. And because I don't think they consider it suicide. I think they consider it a part of their devotion to yeah, something. It's a fucking martyrdom. Yeah, it's martyrdom. But it's like, I think it's just an interesting thing because it only exists within a specific yeah, like exactly. context and a specific fervor. A specific like, it's like those people, didn't there, uh, was it a thing happened where there was a soccer match and then they beheaded the, the referee? happen yeah that sounds familiar right like there's a level where people go where where the normal rules that they apply to life like if someone who was like considered themselves a martyr had someone close to them be like kill themselves from depression they'd be like oh my god that's so terrible but it's because this spot in their brain or spot in the brain where like it's like a a level above normal thinking. I don't know exactly what it's called, obviously. But like, it's a it's a very interesting. You're just very committed. <laughs> um, element of yes, of commitment and of devotion, and it's just like I find it fascinating that you can find it in a variety of things. But it all depends on like what you consider is worth it. Like no one's gonna kill themselves, or I mean, hopefully not. No one's gonna kill themselves because of like a K-pop star because part of their brain still assigns that as frivolous. Mm-hmm. They may cry their eyes out and like stalk them and stuff, but there's something in their brain that still considers that frivolous. But when it comes to something like a revolution, we put that in a category where we're like, no, this is important. This is capital I important. Mm-hmm. So if I die for this, this is a good thing. Mm-hmm. And this is me showing my devotion to something. Yeah. Or like people don't necessarily talk about, and like people may have different perspectives, but like when you're smoking cigarettes or whatever, drinking excessive amounts of alcohol, like... You're poisoning your body slowly. And there's such a thing as like, well, slow death is, I mean, there are different meanings for slow death, but you're like slowly killing yourself. Now it's not necessarily intentional in certain ways, but like sometimes you're harming yourself and you know that you're harming yourself, but like, and people don't necessarily see it as like this bad thing. And like, I don't think that you should. And I also don't think suicide is seen in a way that's healthy either. Um, But like the weird shit that we like, allow exceptions for really bothers me sometimes because like somebody it's all about the way like we classify things in our brain like for example in ancient rome they didn't have the color blue Mm -hmm. there was there's no blue if you said blue they don't know what you're talking about they have the color of the sky they have the color of the sea and maybe a color of a particular flower or something but they didn't have they didn't put those three things together as blue so they didn't see blue right everything in the human brain is like we're all our brains are all about organization Right? 
And if you, you and everything is about categories. That's why we were so when people are like, why are we so obsessed with categories? It's because that's how our species works. <laughs> we're obsessed with categories because we can't not be. And um, when you categorize something as like good or bad or important, it's so hard for people to change these these thoughts and ideas. That's why it's so hard for people to like think of death in a different way or think of suicide in a different way, think of anything in a different way, or or why people make exceptions for things. Why some deaths will be tragic and some deaths will be romantic yeah when it's like oh it's romantic that you killed yourself for this cause whereas it's tragic if you kill yourself for like any sort of other issue yeah no it's true and it's anyway it's really odd and like i have a hard time with it but we do want to say that there are resources for people but given the fact that my theme in life is to not institutionalize human beings and like pathologize them and stick Mm -hmm. them with weird fucking categories and diagnoses that I don't think are valid or relevant um, for a lot of different reasons. So we're saying fuck the resources, call nobody, (laughs) burn your house down, kill yourself. Right? No, no, no. no. I think that there are certain resources that I, that I have found (laughs) really useful. Um, The distress center in Toronto, obviously they have like a helpline. And if ever you do need like extra support or like, other resources they often like their volunteers are like well-trained and also have all of the resources on hand where they can like transfer you over or like give you the numbers that you can call or like where you can go or what website you can try out um their phone number is 416-408-4357 so that's the distress center in Mm -hmm. toronto um and i know some very cool people that have have volunteered there or currently volunteer there and they're like amazing and and aren't about pathologizing people or judging people um then there's uh, the lovely gerstein center um the gerstein center is basically a house um where people can go and stay like it's a shelter but then they also have like a house where people can go and stay if they're feeling like they need support and they can't be like alone in their home. Mm -hmm. It provides more freedom than a hospital because like you can go out, you're not on a, what is considered, it's called a form, which is basically something that somebody fills out to say that you're not basically mentally competent enough to like take care of yourself. So you end up in the hospital and you don't get to leave. And if you leave, it's only for like specific times and only with specific permits. And if you don't come back, in the times that those permits are give it, given to you, the police is called and they come and arrest you. Yeah. Um, so Gerstein is more like open. Like if you want to come and go as, as you please in certain ways, you can. I think they have a curfew. Um, but they're supportive because you can go to the house. But then I think they also have supports in terms of like people you can speak to. Um, they also have uh, resources over the phone. Um, but uh, the last few times I've tried to call, I've waited two plus hours which is very awkward when dealing with a client in crisis who doesn't want to go to the hospital and you're stuck on hold for over two hours before you give up. So fun times. Um, But the phone number is 416-929-5200. And then there's a line that's not a crisis line, but I find super, super helpful and useful. It's called the warm line. It's not 24 hours. The other two are 24-7. The warm line is basically like a peer support phone conversation and I think they also have chat like online chatting capabilities um, and texting Um, but what they do is they basically are a group of people who are also dealing with like mental health challenges and they're on the phone with you 
and they'll talk to you, but it's not a crisis line. So if you're like in serious need of like crisis support, this, this would not be them. But if you're feeling really blue and you're feeling down or you're feeling isolated or you're feeling like, like this could turn into something more serious, but it hasn't yet. And you just need somebody to speak to that's going to kind of get it on your level. Um, the warm line is where you would call. Um, so their phone number to call them is 416-960-9276. And then I think if you want to text them, it's a different number. And that number is 647-557-5882. Um, and it's just a bunch of people who would be like your peers and who can kind of talk to you about feeling lonely and feeling sad or feeling like overly anxious or feeling like people don't want to be your friends or, you know, stuff that comes up. And I do know that a lot of people have found that line helpful. And I guess if anybody else has more, just spread the word if you guys have good resources because they are few and far between. Yeah. But anyway, this is our chat about suicide. It's been a great time. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me? What? Whatever. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's late. It's you late. Know, we do our thing. But anyway... This was a good chat. It was a good chat. I hope people find it, found it helpful. the major takeaways are, you know, feel your feelings. But also, if it's somebody else's feelings, it ain't about you. Yeah, that's the the message. Suicide. Girl, it ain't about you. (laughs) (laughs) Theme. I should get that tattooed. Anyway. Uh, On your forehead or something? Oh. Carmen has lots of tattoos. Yeah, that'll work. That'll work. All right. Coolio. Tiddlywinks. Um, so <laughs> you can contact us if you have any comments or you mm-hmm. want to um, interact with us anyway. Please don't send us like scary things like uh, death threats or anything. <laughs> don't want those. No. So our email is I'd kill a spider for you at gmail.com. Um, so it's ID. So like there is no obviously no apostrophe because this is an email, but yeah. I'd kill a spider for you at gmail.com no yeah. spaces so you know that's self-explanatory so please send us an email if you you know and if you wanted to, if you have like resources maybe you can share them on the podcast or if you have any questions maybe we'll have like a thing at the end where we read Post emails it. and that yeah. kind of thing yeah that would be um, cool we're gonna get a twitter soon uh gosh we're like i don't know 400 years old, so yeah. neither of us <laughs> ever use our Twitters. No, but I don't even do. have a Twitter. You don't have a Twitter? No. I have a Twitter, but, like, I don't use it. I'll, I'll have to, I don't know, shake off the dust off my Twitter. But um, I do have an Instagram. Mm-hmm. We both do use Instagram. Um, you can follow me at the CC Williams. It's T-H-E, letter C, letter C, Williams, not C-C, like the name. Um and that, if you want to, like, look at cats, my cat basically, food. food pictures, food I'm eating, food I'm baking. Um, that is all food there. Food I've seen, uh, food I want to eat. Just basically, it's all food. Yeah. And, like, trees. Yeah. And you can follow Carmen. At uh, Carmen, C-A-R-M-E-N underscore Maria, M-A-R-I-A, 416. Oh, my God. Car- Carmen underscore Maria, 416. That is so long. And you'll find it. Like, fuck it. I forgot Just how search. terrible your Instagram handle is. I mean, I changed it because it used to be something else and I don't remember what it was. I think mm-hmm. it was like Carmen underscore Maria 91 or some shit. But now it's Carmen underscore Maria 416. But you'll find it. Like, you won't even have to type the whole thing and I'm sure it'll come up. My, yeah. my thing is public. So you're going to just see a fuck ton of like things on politics and political prisoners. And then also... Weird angled selfies. Yeah, weird angled selfies. 
a lot of them are like a very low. I don't know what phone you have. I don't know. I'm in plaid 99.9% of the time. Yeah. The quality of the photos is questionable. But uh, yeah. So if you it's wanna, like she took them. If you want to slide into our DMs. Yeah, slide into our DMs. <laughs> you can um, message us. So she took them with Vaseline on the lens sometimes. I'm like, what's up with your phone? Oh, Get a better what? phone. What? I am a social worker. With what money do you think Listen, I will buy this Listen, I phone? had a phone for so long that I just waited till it smashed on the floor and then it had been so long that I, since I got an update, that they were like, we'll just give you a good phone. Well, that's nice. Yeah. But anyway. What happens when you spend like three years with a shit phone? That's true. That's fair. Well, anyway. Mm-hmm.